This is the final episode in this season four on the topic of appreciative embodying. It's quite personal and reflective. I share my learnings and insights and reflect how I've been deeply moved after investing close to almost six months pondering and living into what it takes to embody the appreciative mindset and really appreciate the fullness of being. Thank you for joining me. I'm Robin Stratton Burkessel, host and creator of Positivity Strategist. I'm wrapping up season four in this episode. And please stay tuned as I'll be announcing season five during the show. It's a partnership with the Taos Institute. So I'm hugely excited and honored to be invited to collaborate with Taos. We're currently in our planning cycle and will launch next year. Wrapping up season four, let me remind you, I've interviewed and talked to seven guests and they were all delightful. And I found common threads between the conversations as I sought to learn more about appreciative embodying. All of it was valuable. And as a result, I'm in a place that moves me deeply. It's not directly related to the ideas, practices and findings that my guests have shared, Yet without those conversations and reading their books, the exploration I conducted outside and beyond those conversations in their books, I have been moved to a far more sacred and beautiful place. I can say that I've come home to me. I've come to appreciate my being as both tiny I mean, tiny, tiny in geological or deep time, yet huge in how I'm significant in my current time and I can value my being in relationship to everything. Even considering the cultural imprint I inherited and was socialized into, I have influence to shape the kind of being I want to be when it comes to my being human, being a wife, a friend, a sister, a teacher, a neighbor, and in all of those relationships, what has become so acute to me is being a steward of this planet. I've learned that the forests and the trees and the rivers and the oceans, the deserts and all creatures have much to teach us about mutuality of purpose and collaboration and respect and values. Paying attention to natural phenomena, the ecology of our planet, reshapes what being in community and in cooperation means. It's more than connection and belonging that holds us together. It's entanglement. We are entangled. I came across the notion of entanglement listening to my favorite podcast on being. 
I don't think it's just coincidence that originally the intention for this season was to be an inquiry into appreciative being. I found such inspiration and lessons in the On Being show hosted by Krista Tippett. And I know many of you share my enthusiasm for On Being. And if you don't, please check it out. I won't go into details here how I ended up with the title of this season being Appreciative Embodying rather than Appreciative appreciative Being because I do that in an earlier episode and that episode is entitled How Being Still Supercharges Your Aliveness and my guest in that show was Gail Kondrick. In that first episode, I spoke about the personal state of indifference I'd been experiencing after contracting a really bad infection during a long-anticipated trip to Munich and Paris. It was a longed-for vacation with my husband. And we both got sick, and when we got home, I was confined to bed for four weeks and was really sick. It was a dark time for me. I could not find interest in life. It was puzzling and painful. And after lying in bed all that time and then being able to get up and shuffle around the house, I found myself gradually accepting my state of being, settling into it and surrendering. In that surrendering and accepting, I began to focus on self-kindness and self-compassion. That awareness created the curiosity around my body and how I was struggling with its underperformance and stubbornness to stay weak and uncooperative. I had insights such as, well, my body's sick, it needs rest. My mind was mirroring it. Physically, I was compelled to stop. And so then my mind also went into this shutdown mode. Gradually, over time, I began to appreciate the interdependence between my body and mind and began to see them as one, not two, but one. I'd known that at a cognitive level, but I'd never really lived into that. And what I'm about to say I don't wish on others, but I do firmly believe that out of darkness comes the greatest opportunity for growth. In the five years I've been podcasting, I've shared quite a bit of my story and perhaps I shared most of it in that first episode of this season. And as I reflect, I think getting sick was a gift as it forced me to slow down or actually stop for over two months. And this is so hard to admit. I think I've only come round to fully, truly pay attention and being present in this last year or two, particularly this year. When I was in my 30s and 40s, I raced through life. It was full and exciting and most rewarding in ways that mattered to me then. For about three years, back in Melbourne, Australia, I held down three jobs I had a full-time job as a teacher in a college. I taught part-time in the evening in another college. And I was also an aerobics instructor at a gym. And then, in addition to all of that, I decided to um, 
enroll and take up my first postgrad degree, part-time as well. (laughs) I remember I'd be at work sitting at my desk some days and my colleagues would say, come on, Robin, come out to lunch. Come on, it's time to have a break. And I'd reply, I just have to finish this. I can still hear and see myself. In a minute, I just have to finish this. Can any of you relate? Another indelible image is sitting at my desk, working at my computer with my handbag in my lap. And my colleagues would ask, why have you got your handbag in your lap? And I'd reply, quite automatically, well, in case I have to get up and go somewhere. (laughs) I squeeze so much into my life. I I felt that the more I packed into my life, the more I could achieve and the more successful I would be. And you know, now that I look back on that, I actually wonder if I was ever truly present in any of those events. Now, this is somewhat hard to confess. And why? Because I am a coach, I'm a teacher, I'm a speaker. And what I teach seems contradictory to the message I'm relaying now and and how I weave this into being a positivity strategist that practices mindfulness and how I encourage everyone to find and tap into their strengths and to really embrace the power of positive emotions. I feel like I need to practice what I teach and I don't always do that. Consequently, yes, I feel at times like I'm an imposter or a hypocrite. And being truly open here, I have to say there's also been a healthy degree of FOMO, fear of missing out. Yes, I am being hard on myself, yet I'm not judging because I have lived into this awakening. And with this awareness, I'm feeling truly liberated and embodied. (laughs) It doesn't feel like poor me at all. In fact, I know absolutely, and there are stories that I won't go into here, but in no way have I ever felt as a victim. I get so much joy out of learning and growing and taking responsibility and teaching and being of service. But only very recently had I ever taken seriously that along the way of doing good and being of service, that I might be doing myself a disservice. I have been neglecting myself, undervaluing myself, until I found myself running on empty. And another true confession, it's not the first time that I have run on empty. As Rohan Gunatilaki says, life does have a tendency to hit us when we are least suspecting it. Often it's our bodies, perfect in their frailty. They give way and fail, reminding us that we're perhaps not quite as invincible as we think we are. Now, Rohan hosts another of my favorite podcasts, 
and it's called Meditative Story. There'll be links to these in the show notes for this episode and you'll find that on positivitystrategist.com slash PS 125. Now for the remainder of this show, I'd like to share some of my high points of this season, my season into my inquiry into appreciative embodying. Before I do that, let me say a word or two or more about next season, season five. It's a collaboration, as I mentioned, with the Taos Institute, and I'm highly honoured to have been invited to be a partner with them to host their entree into the podcast world. Now, Taos uh, Institute's mission is, and I'm quoting, to bring together scholars and practitioners concerned with the social processes essential for the construction of reason, knowledge and human value and their application in relational, collaborative and appreciative practices around the world. In this season, I'll be interviewing Taos Associates across a number of disciplines. They'll be sharing their latest in research and practices in healthcare, education, therapy, community, performance. And my guests will come from all over the world, from, for example, Colombia and Denmark and the Netherlands, the Czech Republic and the UK and the USA. And now back to sharing my high points of this season, Appreciative Embodying. Well, how I started this show today um, is really the big highlight. Um, The light shines brightly on that joyful affirmation of my wholeness and how I am entangled in all that is living in this cosmos, from the air that we breathe to the earth we walk on, the trees that provide us shade and oxygen and beauty, and the sun that nourishes our very health and the water that also nourishes us, and both the clean water we drink and the oceans that feed us. And of course, another high point is just recognize the wholeness within myself. I've experienced when something goes missing in my life, I feel less whole. It's without doubt that the principle of wholeness is the key high point coming from my conversations and readings. And then there's the uh, the principle of integration or alignment. And then next I've come up with the principle of awareness and closely related to that is the principle of practice. Now, uh, awareness and practice sound very close. In fact, I mean, all of these, I'm calling them principles. They're all intertwined, aligned or entangled. I so love that word, entangled. I'll never look at entanglement as anything messy or needing straightening out ever again. I opened the first episode of the season saying I was keen to explore how when we see from the wholeness of who we are, we embark on a developmental and generative process. I mentioned that I wanted to find out more about how we can design experiences that use the whole body and ways that integrate head, heart and body. This addresses what I call our human wholeness, who we are in totality and in the fullness of being alive. 
What supported my own experience of body and mind is when we face our vulnerabilities, when we feel frail and are at the the edge of discomfort, we have the greatest potential to become more aware and appreciative of our wholeness. Dr. Kyra Bobinett shared that when she was still practicing as a medical doctor, that without discomfort, you can't embody anything. There has to be a recognition, a balanced recognition to what the body is telling us, regardless if it's comfortable or not. And she goes on to say that there has to be a disconnect in order to connect, an inconvenience to appreciate what is convenient. That's appreciative embodying. In order to appreciate what to appreciate what's good, one has to be willing to face and deal with the bad. That was brought out in my conversation also with Miriam Novotny, who's been cultivating an appreciative learning culture in her organization. And she tells a story that when developing an orientation around the positive, at first people are a little unsure about how to talk about and deal with areas of discomfort and the areas of challenge. There's this misconception that we can't talk about the negative because when we're trying to be appreciative, we can only look for what's going right. And Miriam Miriam and I both dispel that myth. Miriam also talked about ways to face fear with embodying fear melters. She had a lovely way of putting this. She said that fear melters help us move to a place or from a place of fear to one of flow. And so the fear melter practice is to move into a specific physical position, a a position that can counteract the physiological response to the fear we're facing. And again, I'll put links on the show notes page so that you can find out more about this um, embodying practice of fear melters. Each of my guests touched on this principle of wholeness as the essence to embodying. Gail Kondrick talked about her experiencing walking the grove, where she paid attention to all that nature offers us. And she sums it up as about our interconnectedness to all things and to the complete fullness of our aliveness. I invited Dr. Diane Gayhart to respond to my question, how does appreciating and cultivating our sensibility around wholeness facilitate our deeper connection and acceptance of what is? And she echoed what I've been intuiting. She said, in a a summary formation, she said, we need to be able to embrace both the good and the bad, both the challenges and the joys both the people that you can't stand and that the, and the people that you love. It's this perspective that she sees as embracing wholeness and being able to engage in the fullness of life skillfully. The next high point of my learning is the principle of integration. And I realize it's very close to wholeness. And overall, it's not ideal to separate these learnings at all. They're all entangled, that lovely word again. So as in every episode, wholeness came up. So did the principle of integration. We talked about the integration of mind, body and spirit. And my guest, Dr. Linda Clough, said clearly, 
You don't have a body, you are a body. Guests shared research and personal stories about how we can become more acutely aware of our bodies. When we put our attention to the integration of mind, body and spirit, and specifically how to do that with greater intentionality and joy. It's moving from that view of mind as one thing, body another, and spirit yet a third. In my conversation with Susan Steinbrecher, who comes to this principle of integration through her research and language around meaningful alignment, she refers to meaningful alignment or integration as inner work and outer work. So when we talk about the inside game, we're talking about what's going on inside our bodies. It's our inner emotional experience that underlies our physical sensations as we prepare for interacting with the world. The outside game involves developing the behaviours to develop competence. To cultivate meaningful relationships is the work of integrating the inner and outer worlds so they become one. For example, cultivating resilience. It would be resourceful to cultivate that resilience so that we could address a highly charged emotional situation in the future. So it's kind of finding and practicing these emotional responses in preparation for um, situations when we least expect them. The principles of integration is about paying attention to what your body tells you. So you strengthen your capacity to make changes to improve your well-being, and that's connecting health and attitude. That also involves improving relationships and implies offering kindness to self and others. I realized that it was this integration of mind and body that brings me into alignment and is what I refer to as appreciative embodying. We are so much more than just being smart or just being physical or connecting with spirit. It's this integration that creates full ways of being and a full life experience. You can feel it physically and emotionally and spiritually. And when you do that, it's truly transformational. The principle of integration addresses our human wholeness of who we are in totality and the fullness of being alive. The body is where feelings live. The body holds our beliefs, our opinions. So it's really critical to have an appreciation of the heart in the body, not the heart and the body. My third and fourth principles are attention and practice, respectively. It took some thinking about these two terms because, again, they're entangled and they deserve a little attention of their own. The principle of awareness, which I'm listing as my third principle, involves noticing, being present and mindful, all of which are behaviours and mindsets and, of course, overlap with practices. Paying greater attention to where we place our awareness and noticing where we put our energy, and that could be during certain times of the day, where are we most energised? It could be doing certain activities 
And if you understand, um, you know, the strengths movement, you understand that when you're working to your strengths, you're more likely to feel energized than when you're not working with your strengths. And then the relationships you have, being with certain people can be very energizing and with other people it may be de-energizing. So the principle of awareness then relates to appreciative embodying in the sense that it involves movement and action, thought and environment. We don't walk around in total alignment with all those aspects at all times, yet we can, by paying or being aware, we can learn to know the difference. That knowing, that awareness of when we're out of balance invites us into the place of slowing down, of being still, of taking beautiful breaths to reflect on what we can do to bring ourselves back into balance. And this brings in training our minds through mindfulness practices or moving our bodies in some ways, whether that's through physical activities such as working out or dancing or singing, um, doing artwork or improv work. Practicing our awareness of all of that is possible through movement. And for those of you who um, are familiar with appreciative inquiry, the methodology of AI, appreciative inquiry, I think about the dream step in the AI um, process, the 4D cycle. Um, The dream step brings awareness to new possibilities into the foreground. So when we dream together, it's playful and it's about embodying. We invite people to envision desired futures. We also invite them to create something such as a prototype or enact some scene that shows their future in a physical form. This enactment is a way of using our bodies to create the future we want, come up with language relevant to our contexts. And this dream is an enactment of a felt sense about what it means for that particular community or to be in community and how the community members carry out that future in an embodied way. Diane Gayhart talks about the Buddhist mindset of crazy wisdom as a way to bring in play and humour to help us lighten up and not to take ourselves too seriously or become too attached to outcomes that can block us and keep us rigid. Another way we can cultivate our awareness is to view problems and challenges as friends. Like me, you, um, you'd be very likely to have this mindset that we can reframe problems and challenges and failures as learning opportunities. So when Diane talked about befriending problems, it offers a broader perspective. Befriending problems is also befriending the fullness of life. It's a concept which um, I I resonate strongly to because it invites us to look at life in a different way, taking on new thoughts, new feelings, finding new actions, and to find out how we might create new approaches to relate to the wholeness of life. It takes reflection and will and action to make shifts to help us develop the qualities and skills so that we can live in a more gentle and loving way with ourselves and with others. Befriending life. Let me shift to the fourth principle that I'm playing with in regards to appreciative embodying, and that's the principle of practice. Enacting or putting into action and 
being aware of the feelings in the body that is embodying the way we move, the way we feel, and what we carry with us, shaped by our birth, our culture, our relationships, our beliefs, our environment. Many of the practices involve movement, and many invite us to be still. You can practice stillness through mindfulness and breath work to slow down and notice what you're noticing. You can also engage in many different activities to heighten awareness of our senses to notice what we're noticing. Both work. One of my guests mentioned that embodiment was essential to creativity. Embodying is linked to seeing new gateways of possibility involving the whole being, mind and heart, body and spirit to show up fully. The body's a gateway into what you're feeling. Understanding that elevates your awareness, sets up pathways of choices of novelty and creativity. And another guest mentioned that you can't understand the impact of climate change other than through your body. You have to truly integrate the interconnections of all that live on this planet Earth and within our solar system and how entangled we are, not only with the present and what's going on, but our past leading up to it and our unknowable future to get the fullness and understanding of climate change. I'm a baby when it comes to understanding the topic of embodying. My curiosity has set me off on a new course of study and the more I learn, the more I have to learn. There are a number of links that I have on the show notes for this show. That's positivitystrategist.com slash PS125 that you might enjoy if you're also curious about this topic. I have found truth in every thought, every emotion I experience, that there are corresponding feelings in the body. So by way of coming to my concluding statements, let me just summarize and say where I'm at now um, after this season of my personal inquiry into appreciative embodying. I've come up with these four principles, wholeness, Life is full of fun and failures. Number two, the principle of integration. My mind, my body and spirit are fully integrated. Number three, principle of awareness. I choose what I pay attention to. And number four, principle of practice. To learn, I got to do the work. Now I want to leave you with this quote that sums up how I'm feeling, thinking and being. Thank you so much for being with me on this season of inquiry of exploration of just sheer joy to find out what it means to be fully alive and embodied in an appreciative way and I really value you thank you and here's the quote I want to leave you with it's from the book the songs of trees stories from nature's great connectors written by biologist professor David George Haskell And I think it was published in 2017. So please listen and enjoy. We're all. Trees, humans, insects, birds, bacteria, pluralities. Life is embodied network. These living networks are not places of omnibenevolent oneness. Instead, 
they are where ecological and evolutionary tensions between cooperation and conflict are negotiated and resolved. These struggles often result not in the evolution of stronger, more disconnected selves, but in the dissolution of the self into relationship. Because life is network, there is no nature or environment separate and apart from humans. We are all part of the community of life, composed of relationships with others. So the human nature duality that lives near the heart of many philosophies is, from a biological perspective, illusory. I love being on this journey with you and please join me in season five.